Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, unfortunately for a lot of black Muslims, whether it's the Muslim community or non-Muslims, the first thing they're always going to see is the fact that you're black. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're a woman and you wear hijab, then they're going to see the fact that you're Muslim Yeah. First. I feel like because of that, black Muslims would actually choose to maybe hang out with more of their like non-Muslim friends. Like if they had a choice between hanging out with like a Muslim community where maybe they're like the minority in there or hang out where in a group of like black friends who are maybe not Muslim, but at least they feel like they have a little bit more of a connection with them because they don't feel like they'll be judged as much. But I feel like... Welcome back, guys, to the Cousin Connection podcast. podcast. Watch when you get a cold yeah, sore. fine. How are you doing, Sara? <laughs> I have to expose Amir. <laughs> Why? What, what, what happened? What you just did. Huh? What you just did. It's not, it's, not, it's not that crazy, okay? It was empty. It's not like anything was in there. Oh, okay. Why is it that, like, the moment something goes... You, someone, no one has context for this, but why is it something goes into the garbage? Mm-hmm. Like, it immediately becomes bad. No, there's actually... Like, what okay there are go people ahead. who like do dumpster diving exactly and like this is like a more tame version of that essentially all i did was last night i threw out some chapstick that i thought was bad was it last night i thought you threw it out a while ago. no it was literally last night okay, it wasn't even you didn't that tell ago. me that you just said oh i think i threw out some chapstick. yeah and it was an empty garbage can okay about that I and also- the only thing i really threw inside there outside of that was like bad not bad but like old coat hangers or whatever and the reason I threw it out to begin with is because it said after six months or whatever, you know how it says on the makeup or the those things says the after label, six yeah. months of opening, it's throw it out or whatever. So I was like, oh, it's probably been like a couple of years. So I threw it out. <laughs> you don't use your chapstick? No, no, no. It was just a random one I found here. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's probably bad. But then now I was desperate because I was too lazy to get up. We already set up everything. We. I literally could have just. Nah, it's too much. It was too much work. Okay. And then I got it. I used it. My lips are tingling a little bit, but maybe that's a part of it. Maybe it's one of those like lip plumping. You know, it's because your <laughs> lips were dry. You just like stimulated it. Yeah. And now the blood flow is coming back to your it Probably. <laughs> now yeah. you have color and it's not going to be gray anymore. Ex- hopefully not. <laughs> like my like clothing I'm wearing today. <laughs> it all blend in. <laughs> to match. Shameless plug. Shop Aisha Harun. Oh, yeah. I think is the website. Or Happy yeah. Looks Good on You. Happy Looks Good on You. Peep the new merch. Um, I Follow to Happy wear Looks mine. Good on You on Instagram. I think it's called Shop Happy Looks Good. I don't know. The, we'll we'll link it. Yeah, we'll link it. We'll link <laughs> it. We'll put it on there. But peep mm-hmm. the new merch, guys. Yeah. I actually, I remember. I'm wearing, the, I'm, wearing the, I'm wearing the full getup today. Yeah. When we went to LA in, I think, it, what was it when we went in November? That was a different, what do you call it again? Another launch? No, yeah, she showed a different us the launch. sample, though, of this one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was it November of 2022 or like April of last year? That yeah, time it was that last we went, year because I don't think she even had it at that point. She, It was like April, springtime when the when we had a girl's trip and we mm-hmm. went for um, our friend's wedding. Remember we was went? Was I there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, was I there? No, I wasn't there. No. I wasn't we, there. I wasn't there. We got to see like the behind the scenes, like the warehouse that she like... Oh, yeah, I wasn't there for all that then. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember like... 
we saw this color mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, you should do like an acid wash kind of mm-hmm. thing. And we were like talking about different ideas. So it's crazy to like see it in person in person coming to life mm-hmm. i also have my i wish i just i wish i wore it today and now i kind of regret it i had a feeling you would yeah but i didn't wash it in time yeah, I the reason she's mine. not wearing it today is because of uh the reason we missed last week's episode <laughs> totally totally it wasn't because of me <clears throat> and, okay it was technically both of us i was out you know living my best life in new york <laughs> <laughs> amir had a boys trip basically yeah a solo dolo trip exactly and, then... and sada was dying at home <laughs> yeah he fully was like you should just you should just come with me. And I and I thought about it. I mm-hmm. did. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But when you, I think you asked me like the week before. Yeah. I, I did not plan ahead. That I well. know. It yeah. was like very last minute. Like, hey, mm-hmm. do you want to come? And I was like, mm, it was a long weekend. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I got hit with the plague. Literally. And it hit me so <laughs> like fast. Yeah. Because like Monday, I was, I, you know, when like normally it kind of builds up to like mm-hmm. you getting sick, but like. And I wish I, I wish I knew, I should have known. Mm-hmm. But like Monday, I just, I was like, man, I'm so tired. Like I didn't mm-hmm. do my workout. Like I got home from work and I yeah. went to sleep at like 8.45. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, my throat was tingling. That's and the worst like, feeling when you know something is coming. And I was taking like every, every kind of yeah a vitamin pill, whatever I could take. Yeah. Um, And then like by Tuesday night, like Tuesday night, I was actually out. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't even talk but you know me millennials you know this problem you know and you just like don't want to call in sick why why do we have that like no innate uh, nature of us to be like i don't want to inconvenience them i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna kill myself yeah. to work that day <laughs> you know what it is i really i really strongly believe that mm-hmm. millennials were raised to be people pleasers yeah true so i think that's why we struggle to call in sick mm. so imagine i was like giving a full-on presentation i could not talk like my throat was on fire. I was coughing every second. I would have been like, okay, girl, we'll do this next time. Just so just, just take care of yourself. My coworker who was like in the presentation yeah. with me, like she was watching me present. She messages me on Teams because I was at home. She was in the mm-hmm. office, right? She messages me and she's like, honestly, I really, I got it from here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I was like, are you sure? Like, you know, I, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I got it. She's like, no, you don't. And like, mm-hmm. we don't really want to hear you like exactly on the camera it almost seems like 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 they're like forcing you to like perform in front of them (laughs) as you're dying well everyone was like like you could see them all looking at me like girl why exactly so then i i let her finish like i Mm -hmm. watched it and then after she called me like privately and she's like do me a favor log out for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know one of those so i was like all right fine so i emailed my or no i I messaged my manager i was like look i'm dying i gotta go Mm mm-hmm and i went to sleep i slept like 17 hours <gasps> like I, I went to sleep that was like around i logged off at like 10 45 in the morning yeah and i slept until 3 a.m p.m okay then i woke up and then i went back to sleep at 7 p.m mm-hmm. and i didn't wake up until the next day around like 12 12 yeah like i was you know why because um i had nyquil mm-hmm. yo that is yeah when you told me that when you told me that like <laughs> Hey, I took NyQuil and that stuff. Well, that's the best. I was like, this, that's like the opening line to like an addiction movie. <laughs> no, but like it's because I genuinely could not sleep. Like mm-hmm. I would wake up because I couldn't breathe or like, you know, yeah. coughing, a, coughing up a storm. Mm-hmm. But NyQuil like knocked me the F out. There's a reason, you know, the reason uh, rappers love that stuff so much, you know. Why? They want to be They sleeping? put it in there. No, that's what they, they, I forget what they call it. They call Cody? it the, uh, no, 
is that drink lean. that they make lean yeah it's it. literally nyquil or like sleeping medicine or or cough medicine yeah uh mixed with sprite that's why they i think that's why they call it dirty sprite really yeah it's a it's a weird cultural thing because like it numbs them and also tastes good so no it doesn't i mean like the nyquil yeah, that i got nyquil does taste good okay mm. cough medicine in general remember back in the day they used to have like the grape flavor oh that grape flavor like i still think about that to this day you know what I actually you know that. you know what else tastes really good that like i wish i could drink more of pepto-bismol the taste of the pepto-bismol is low-key like i've never actually tasted yeah, slaps pepto- <laughs> I've never- you okay <laughs> like you got an upset stomach like sometimes sometimes when i'm sick i like i i, I kind of like look forward to the fact nah. that i keep <laughs> Amir's exposing himself. He's a drug addict, clearly. <laughs> Who looks forward to taking medicine? I love the taste of Pepto Bismol. I don't know why. Yeah. Remember yeah. when remember when Buckley's was a big thing? And Buckley's never tasted good. The yeah, I know, but like their whole slogan was like, you won't like it, but it works, or something like that. Tastes awful, but it works. Yeah, it tastes awful. Yeah, same thing, okay? <laughs> Not really. Miss the Taurus out here. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what did you say? Miss the Taurus. <laughs> you call me. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> Miss Sydenham. <laughs> you know, okay. yeah. all I'm saying is, is that like, I, I don't know, Costco had the one. Oh, I, I really messed up my mic. It was good. Like you two seconds are, ago. You have always struggled with this mic. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to find an easier solution to this. I got to get like some professional setup. Can for you this. make mine like that? Like what? Like that. Like, I want it to look like that. Okay, give me one second. Yeah, that's so much better. Yeah. Okay, there we go. It literally took me two seconds, Sada. I know. I was just like, I thought mine was <laughs> like that, but I'm like, something looks off on no. mine. And also, like, you can, like, move it in a way where it doesn't, like, block your face. Because I notice a lot of times we'll be talking on a show. Yeah. And it'll just be, like, a fluff ball over the mouth. I think now it's good. I can tell by the viewfinder. But oh, yeah, I forgot. And it's blocking my face on there. So I can <laughs> see it. Sorry. <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. So NyQuil is mm-hmm. A1. If you guys are ever sick and you are you need just a nice mm-hmm. restful sleep. And yeah, um, I ended up being sick all week. So I didn't get to. And while you were, you know, sick all week, I was. I You think as someone who walks every single day, mm-hmm. rain or shine, snow or clear skies, whatever that I would be better prepared to go to a city where you're more likely going to be walking outside all day, right? Right. I did not prepare anything. Because like, like I said, this is like a almost almost last minute. Like I kind of knew, but like it kind of it kind of caught up with me. I don't know how. And then next thing I know, I'm like packing the night before. And how? I, and I, because I got, a, I got a cheap flight. Yeah, I, but like... What? No, because... Wait until the last minute? Because... because I couldn't take even a carry-on. I told you, this was like a last, not last minute, but like I got the cheapest flight, right? So I couldn't even take a carry-on. I could take on a bag. That's it. <laughs> like a personal bag. That's it. What? So, thankfully, I have like one of these, those bags that you can fit a lot into. Mm. Even my laptop. Mm-hmm. I fit my laptop in there with everything else. Because all I had to do was prepare for two days, yeah. essentially. Two full days. Yeah. So I literally just wore the outfits here in the house this is what i would look like for the day and then put that into this <laughs> into the bag you just packed it all up together. exactly Smart. which was actually also a mistake because you should test it outside first and you'll find out why so when we got there mm-hmm. first off i didn't have gloves i didn't even have a hat nothing and we're walking outside and when i tell you i forgot about like lake effect winds or, or in you? their case i guess atlantic ocean effect winds <laughs> yeah. it was so windy like crazy wind throughout the whole city Mm-mm. because it's an island right mm-hmm. so you're surrounded by water literally so 
there's wind coming from every direction. Yeah. And a lot of times you want to walk to the shore, right? You want to walk to the outskirts of the city. Right. And that's where it's even more windy. So immediately it was like you go to the those. Thankfully, New York has a lot of street vendors mm. uh, who are selling like gloves and hats. And like they're actually pretty good quality. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to buy like a couple of those things and bundle up. But this was after already suffering for a majority of the day. Why didn't you just? I we, I don't know. you know, you, you you get you get caught up. You're moving around here and there. You don't have time to slow down. You're trying you're trying to get everything done in a matter of like one or two days. I'm surprised you didn't get sick. Like, dang, you're. I, I, I was surprised too, honestly. Mashallah. Yeah. May Allah protect you from sickness. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, like, everything worked out in that manner. Dang. But then, yeah. So you have the wind that's hitting you. I think there was like literally one point where. It was so windy. I could literally do like the Mac- Michael Jackson, like, <laughs> like uh, what <clears> do you call lean. it? The lean. Mm. And the wind would hold you up from how Dang. windy it was. But other than that, New York was like perfect outside of the cold, like the, the pizza. You know, you can't go wrong with pizza. I got to do all the like classic things. The only thing that sucked is that, oh, what were you about to say? I was going to say you also tried chopped cheese. <gasps> I was about to say that. So I actually went up to Harlem. Uh-huh. Oh, was it Harlem? Yeah, Harlem to um, visit the mosque of Malcolm X after he became uh, came back into like the fold of Islam in the Sunni faith, and he has a mosque there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like you know, we took the train. It's way outside of Lower Manhattan, which is usually where you're gonna stay. Like Times Square is kind of around there, yeah. lower part of the Central Park, all that area. So you have to go way out of your way to get there, right? Dang. And by the time we got there, we're like, okay, it's like perfect. It's Asr time right now. Or no, it was about to be Maghrib. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, we'll, we'll come in here. We still had to pray like uh, Asr at that time. Um, and we, we could make it. Yeah. But when we got to the doors, it was locked. They closed a mosque? I know, right? I was confused too. I was like, how how was it closed? But I guess because it was also a weekend. I don't know if it was that was the case. And then we literally prayed mm-hmm. at like the front steps of this place, outside of it, in is the middle like of the a, street. Is it like a mosque slash like tourist site? No. Oh, it's so literally it is- like a small door to get into mm-hmm. the building. You have to buzz to get into the area. And the Weird. and the crazy thing is that we saw someone walk in. Mm-hmm. As because like usually when you're praying outside, usually you have someone watching, and then the other person will be praying just so like you, no one t- bothers you, or whatever, right? So as we were waiting to get inside and and like praying outside, the person who I believe had the keys to the place, or at least was one of the people who had the keys, talked to me and was like, "Oh yeah, like uh, you know, you guys can pray inside." I was like, oh, "Okay, but you know, they're already praying right now. We'll just wait. I'll wait till they're done, and then I'll go inside and I'll pray too." And after they're done, I get up. We go to the door. We're like, yeah, we're going to actually get to go inside. Mm-hmm. We buzz. No one answers. Where'd the guy go? I don't know where she went. Oh, that girl? <laughs> yeah. So, but, Dang, but, played, but the, the, I guess the silver lining to that whole situation mm-hmm. is that across the street was a bodega. Mm. And I'm like, in New York, you gotta, you gotta have the, you know, authentic bodega experience, right? Mm-hmm. And it couldn't have been more authentic, right? Like, it was exactly what I remember because, like, we used to go to Philly a lot, right? Yeah. And Philly isn't, too different in regards to like the bodega experience mm-hmm. uh so you know you walk in you have the front area which is all the snacks and everything like that and then you walk to the back and you have literally like a, a kind of like a meat it looks like um like you know deli? when you go to a deli yeah mm-hmm. it looks like a deli i didn't even look at the menu i literally mm-hmm. went to the guys like yo can you get me a chopped cheese <laughs> and he immediately knew what to do he's like i got you and then he started like making it's like do you want on a roll or a bun or do you want a roll or, uh, or a bun something like that right which oh. is one of the questions they ask and you know i said on a roll 
I think that's the classic one. What's a roll if anyone's from New York, tell me. If like that's a the bread roll? Yeah, bread roll. Oh, like okay. a uh, um, like almost like a burger kind like of a side. sub. No, it's a, it's a roll. It's round. Oh, okay. But I think you can get on a sub as well. Mm. And I think maybe that's what the bun was. Oh. A roll or a bun. That's what it was. And then, you know, he made it for us. And honestly, I can't, like, the hype is real for that. Because really? once he made it, yeah. you think, like, it's pretty, like, you know, it's not dingy. But, like, it's, like, a, it's not a big spot. You don't have, like, lines out the door. Mm. But that was probably, like, the best sandwich and best meal. One of the best meals we had in New York. I feel like New York has a lot of good food spots, though. It does. But, like, when you're when you're kind of running around, also, you're trying to save a little money. You know, you're like, yeah. You're going to go to every spot, right? Yeah, we, we, yeah, saved, yeah. we saved at least one good spot in a, uh, called Grimaldi's, which is, like, an old school, probably one of the oldest pizzerias. Oh, I've it's heard in Brooklyn. Mm. Really nice place. It's multiple stories tall. It's been around since like the early 1900s. It's been around for a long, and you can tell just yeah. from looking at it and being inside. Yeah, that place had actually some really good pizza. Was like the the thin. Yeah, the super thin pizza. When you pick it up, the cheese is like falling off. Ugh. Wait, you don't like that? No. It's no, you like it. It's really good. Uh, the the last time I went to New yeah. York and I oh had yeah you're lactose intolerant no no it's uh, like I'll always risk it all for pizza yeah <laughs> but I just had really bad pizza when I was there so like really yeah it it genuinely made me nauseous well like th- that's the thing Grimaldi's is like the spot you need to go like that's known for being a spot known really? for the pizza yeah it's a really good spot it's, it's hard to get into apparently but we didn't have too much of a hard time getting in mainly mm. be- we did have to wait like a good twenty maybe thirty minutes outside dang. But, you know, at that point, we were already bundled up. And but once you get inside, like there's a lot of seating. Mm, and okay. yeah, so it's not like it's going to be you're going to be waiting hours to get inside unless maybe we just got on a good day. It was kind of late on a Sunday night when we That's went there. Probably why. Yeah. And and like it was also <laughs> cold outside. So a lot of those factors mm. might have helped. Yeah. But yeah, the chopped cheese, honestly, was like a close second to that. Really? And it was really good. Yeah. Like we, actually, we were actually eating it yeah. on like a stoop. You know, you got to eat on the stoop too. <laughs> and we're like, should we just go back inside and get another one? <laughs> really? It was yeah. that good? Yeah. I, I actually just saw a TikTok today, like mm-hmm. before I got here. Yeah. Of like French Montana in a bodega getting chopped cheese. Yeah. But like on two Jamaican patties. <gasps> they I did know. have Jamaican patties there too. Which is crazy. I was like, yo, <sighs> this is what chopped cheese is. Well, now that I've gone there, like I'm for sure going back again. <laughs> yeah. Inshallah. Like I'm going to go back as much as I can. Because mm-hmm. uh, I just, I don't know. I like the vibe. I feel like there's so much to see. It's like yeah. Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like on a much larger scale. Exactly. Yeah. Each it's almost like taking... different too. Yeah. Each borough is very, very different. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that you notice also, also is that like the style is different. Mm-hmm. Like from where we were in Brooklyn, like of course it's being gentrified for the most part. It's not like the Brooklyn that you might the old school Brooklyn that people might think of mm-hmm. so you know you just see a lot of guys in you know fluorescent colored beanies with long jackets like that typical that. you know that typical look like you have it in your mind right yeah. so you see that a lot in there and then when you go to like Manhattan in like the business district district it's a lot of trench coats mm-hmm. and like very put together you see the suits under and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. very big fluffy like the women are a lot of them are wearing big fluffy jackets mm-hmm. uh the ones with the fur and all that so it's a very distinct styles in each area interesting but yeah that was that was the silver lining of being in in Harlem and you got to see like a little bit more of like what you typically see when it comes to New York uh, mm-hmm. at least in the black community yeah Maybe next time they'll be open and I'll actually get to go inside there. But I did go to, actually in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. I went to one of the first mosques in New York. I forget the name. Oh my God, I remember, forget the name, but it was established in 1932. And it was literally like 
you know we have townhouses right here right like in new york that's basically a lot of the streets yeah so it's literally like a four-story building dang all all of it is a mosque and like you enter you go down a few steps when you enter there's like stairs that go up and like on the third floor is like the women's area and the bottom floor is the men's area mm-hmm. and actually it was a pretty it was really nice and very quiet i liked huh. it that was that was a really good spot uh and it was actually like two minutes away from a spot that we were eating at called like eight bit bites which is like a halal um food spot that we found there do they have a lot of halal options there yeah they they probably do right yeah but i feel like it's a lot more of the culture in toronto like the halal food culture is a lot more rich in toronto than it is in new york Hmm. but then again like that's because that's i didn't do as much research right so i could be wrong about that yeah there probably are a lot of spots like a weekend right yeah literally so Mm. maybe next time i'll discover more but it was definitely just a good experience overall you know it was worth missing uh, one week i'm sorry (laughs) y'all yeah so because of amir Mm -hmm. and i guess me we didn't get to record last week so i feel like it's been it's been a little bit of a minute Mm -hmm. um i did try my best to entertain you guys on tiktok live last week and then i haven't been on live ever since like i just did it that one day Mm -hmm. and i couldn't do it the rest of the weekend i'm sorry so i'm surprised you even did it then when you were like already in the middle of it being sick I know. I just, I felt so bad Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, you know, like we don't have an episode. Like, you know, we're really like struggling through it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I really tried. Okay. You know what? It is what it is. Sada, you did your best. Exactly. And they appreciate it. I'm sure you guys appreciate it too. Yeah. I can't remember what we spoke about, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was a good conversation. Yeah. I even tried to remember. I was, I was asking you, what did you guys talk about? You're like, I can't remember. I I have like (laughs) no clue. Like usually I remember. That's the that's a sick brain right there. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. I was just out of it. So if I said some crazy stuff, yeah, we're back now, guys. Okay, we might miss another week. I don't know, but you know what? We'll always come back. That's for sure. Inshallah, we'll always come back, and we'll supplement it. Like if one of us just spontaneously travels again, yeah, we will uh, supplement it with a live. (laughs) We'll try to (laughs) try to, (laughs) Um, but. The thing that we kind of wanted to focus on this week was something we were supposed to talk about the last two episode, ago. two weeks ago, but we got distracted with like mm-hmm. a bunch. Of, I can't even remember what we got distracted with. We were talking about we something. We had guests and then... No, but last week's episode, we were supposed to... This is literally the only thing on my docket. And I don't know how. We got had like a small Q&A. So that kind of like threw us off. That's why. But yeah, essentially, thankfully, this episode is going to come out, inshallah, on the last day of february which technically means this is still a black history month episode okay yes i'm just saying so i actually prepared a little bit for this episode surprisingly no i'm just uh i wanted to like give some history some some like interesting facts i learned about black people in muslim history Mm -hmm. or black muslims specifically Mm -hmm. uh because we actually from the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam like we we've been connected to this from the beginning yeah. essentially right and i think that first person that usually people always tend to go back to oh bilal right but like, give him context of like who he is oh sorry know? yeah <laughs> like, I, I always sometimes just look at you you know this is still a conversation between me and Sarah, okay it is but yeah. like you know they're okay. like who's that but yeah he he essentially was first off one of the first people to convert to islam when the prophet came out with the the message mm-hmm. and he was also the person who would give the adhan for the prayer in um medina one of the companions of the one prophet. of the companions of the prophet exactly he was of abyssinian descent yes he was of abyssinian <laughs> descent but there was actually another person mm-hmm. who had uh, <laughs> who was of abyssinian descent 
who actually had almost a larger role in the upbringing of the prophet, mm-hmm. which was uh, Um Ayman. Yeah. She was essentially the nanny of the prophet. Like, that's the word that we'd use today for that. And um, she was actually referred to as the mother after his own by the prophet. Mm. So that's how, that's how close she was to him. Yeah. And uh, she actually traveled from Medina by herself and was granted a karama when she was dying of thirst and Allah provided her with water in a container after which she drank and never felt thirst again. Wow. Yeah. So she was a very big part of this uh, the story of Muslims, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. when it comes to the Prophet, right? Yeah. Because the person who raised you, I'm sure like, especially if you spoke to her um, like that, about her like that, probably has a very high status. So our connection as black Muslims, even though people try to say like, oh, you know, we're all Muslims in the end of the day, mm-hmm. which is true. Yeah. But we still, because of how black people in general are treated differently in all societies, even in Muslim, uh, not societies, but in Muslim um, surroundings. Oh, even in Muslim communities. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so even then, like there is a slight difference in how we're treated. And actually something we could be speak out later is that it's not only like even the black in within the black muslim community there are differences of how certain black muslims are treated as well mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so or how we'll come they're back to that one. yeah we'll come back to that one so that was someone that i wanted to talk about that has a huge significance in our uh history and in the stories that were told these days and another one that's a little bit more recent because mm-hmm. this is black history month and black history month is more centered around like the enslaved african-americans right and their story because did you know there's another fact here i didn't know about this i was surprised by this too mm-hmm. i think about 75 to 80 percent of the what i just read that oh you read I that too like, yeah <laughs> about 70 about 75 to 80 percent of the enslaved people who were brought from africa were muslim i didn't know the number was that high i didn't know that either i knew there were like the ones that were taken directly from Africa, yeah. like the different countries within Africa were Muslim. Mm-hmm. And then I know like they went through a conversion process when they came he- like yeah. to North America and whenever, wherever they were taken. But I didn't know 75% of them mm-hmm. were Muslim. And I don't think, I. the thing is that like, even when you said, mentioned the conversion process, I don't think it was much of a conversion process. I think it was more of a like um, separation process where they took the people who had who had Islam with them and their children, they separate them from their children. Because first off, they were very brutal to these people when they brought them over. Mm-hmm. A lot of them didn't make it many decades. They didn't live for that much longer because of how they were treated. Right. So, And usually when they were sometimes, even, most of the time, even forced to have kids, mm-hmm. those kids would then grow up without parents and would have to look up to the people who had enslaved them right. for... for um, whatever belief system they pushed upon them. Yeah. So I feel like there was less conversion. I don't know. This is just how I feel. I don't know what the actual facts are, but that's typically how things go. It's usually the people who are brought with the religion, instead of them being forced to convert, it's usually their children that are taken from them and then they are the ones who are pushed these ideas are pushed on them. Like what happened to the Aboriginal people. I was just going to say Oh, that. there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was literally like the tip of my tongue. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. But even with them though, um, a lot of them went to like those, what are they called? The residential schools or what mm-hmm. were they called? Where they Yeah, residential schools. But they actually went through a, like a conversion process where they couldn't speak their languages. Mm-hmm. They couldn't practice their religion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So oh, if you consider that conversion, then yeah, that's probably what happened to the African Americans as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't think it was like, oh, you're Muslim. No, you must be Christian now. No, no. I think yeah, they just like over time indoctrinate mm-hmm. them exactly. to believe whatever. Yeah. You know, their slave masters believe. Is that what they call them? Slave masters. Yeah. Slave owners. Yeah, slave masters. Same. Same. Ones. Whatever. You know. You know what I mean. Missing in them. You guys. Go back to that. Uh, but yeah, in that time, there was mm-hmm. a man called Umar bin Said. Mm-hmm. He was a Senegalese scholar. He was a Muslim who actually observed Ramadan. So speaking of Ramadan, you know, which is coming back, coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. And first off, a lot of this information that I'm about to say right now, even what I just mentioned with the 75% fact, this is all coming from uh, someone I found on TikTok called uh, Imani Bashir, mm-hmm. who is actually a multi-gen... From her paternal side, she's a multi-generational Muslim. Oh, wow. So her father and their father, father, they are all American, but they kept the Muslim faith with them. Wow. So she has a very deep history with this and a very mm-hmm. deep connection to it. So uh, she's written, I'm probably going to put it in the description, but she has like multiple articles on this and also okay. written by other uh, black Muslims on the history of black Muslims in America. But she was speaking about someone called Omar bin Said, who was a Senegalese scholar. He observed Ramadan and he actually wrote his autobiography in Arabic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Back okay. then, he was able to read and write and everything. And because they knew that he could read and write, yeah. he was actually forced to write Bible verses. <gasps> but In Arabic? He, huh? In Arabic? I think in Arabic or... Yeah, in mm. Arabic. Interesting. Maybe in Arabic and English. He didn't specify there, but let's just see. It was one of those. He, he was forced to write something. And he actually did like a little switcheroony on them. <laughs> so instead of writing Bible, Bible verses, he would actually write the Quranic verses instead. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of like documentation of Quranic verses from him. Yeah. And you can actually, she actually mentioned, you can go to like the African-American museum or like a somewhere in DC. Oh yeah. We tried to go there. I remember? forget the full name. Yeah. We, we tried I went to- there. Did you end up going? Yeah, I ended up going. Oh. Yeah. I remember the last time we all went together, we mm-hmm. were trying to go, but it wasn't open or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it has a longer name, but I can't remember. But essentially, it's like the African-American Museum. The yes. African-American History Museum. Yeah. And they actually have a lot of his writings there. Oh, preserved. wow. Yeah. That's really cool that they even preserved that. Exactly. And you can see in the original Arabic writing, too. Oh. So that was some of his stories. But also, there were reports of Muslims in Georgia. Which is crazy. Yeah. Georgia. <laughs> but like, you know, because we, we were everywhere. Yeah, think about it. 70%. You're going to find... There are actually a, someone else who was doing a study on all the Muslims that were in like Brazil and like Southern America as well, right? So there are a lot of reports of these enslaved people in Georgia who were giving rice cakes during the Ramadan Ramadan to other non-Muslim slaves. Oh. And they misheard it i guess somehow and they called it saraka with an r <laughs> saraka and of course if you're a muslim then you probably immediately your ears perked up and you're like oh that sounds like saraka which mm-hmm. it was yeah so essentially you could see even when they were enslaved they were still looking for chances to be able to uh gain reward through charity so they were giving charity as enslaved people Listen. Which shows you the strength of these people. If Muslims have one thing, it is strong faith. It is. It is. <laughs> and by the way, sadaqa is the Arabic word for charity. Yeah. Just so if anyone oh, yeah. doesn't know exactly. what that is. Uh, but that was another crazy fact that when I heard, I was like, it makes sense because, mm. you know, Muslims are known for being very charitable, even in dire circumstances, especially if you look at the times uh, where the Palestinian people are currently going through. Right. There are still a lot of cases and a lot of examples of people who are being charitable even in these very tumultuous times from where they are. 
Yeah. So it's uh, thankfully it's something that's very universal within the Muslim community. <clears throat> and another fact is that so the Islamic call to prayer mm-hmm. because a lot of these people who were coming who were Muslim they yeah. knew the Islamic call to prayer because they would pray a lot of times five times a day and uh, they would also be reading Quran aloud because a lot of them had the Quran memorized right so they would be saying it out loud while they're on the f- while working right. or um, you know throughout the day and this actually was reported to be like a precursor to what we now know as Negro spirituals huh yeah so like you know because they would sing the quran or they would they would read the quran or say the quran in a very like um melodic melodic tone, tone. they'd also the adhan is also very melodic mm-hmm. when they would say it. so the people took this and they would take the melodic nature of that and eventually that transformed into what we now know as ne- negro spirituals i don't know what negro spirituals. you don't ne- you know like you know how whenever you see like movies to, like this is a very generic way of how it's represented but like you know, in movies, whenever they show like black people working in the fields, they'll be singing oh, songs yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. originally, that would they say that that's, some of that was inspired <coughs> by hearing the adhan and also the Quranic verses being read out loud. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, Islamic history is very deep rooted in American history. Like what's happening again, like with the Palestinians, like history can be whitewashed so easily, mm-hmm. even even with all the evidence being mm-hmm. shown in one way, they can skew if they have control, they can skew the facts in the complete opposite way, make the oppressed look like the oppressors. No. It, what, I wouldn't put it past them for whitewashing black history or Muslim history in America, especially with how they demonize Muslims now. Like back then, I don't, I don't think their their thoughts of Muslims were any better. Which is crazy or any more positive. <clears throat> if you think about like the um, conservative Americans, mm-hmm. I know that's like deeply rooted in, I think Christianity, yeah. right? Like a lot of a lot of the conservative thought process is pretty similar to mm-hmm. you know the Muslim way of life. Not all, mm-hmm. of course, not all, but like a lot of it is. Yeah, and so it's crazy that Muslims are so villainized black people are so Mm -hmm. villainized just because they don't look like a stereotypical american Mm -hmm. which is a white american um and they're very um what's the word like ostracized and villainized just because they're they look different even though a lot there's a lot of similarities yeah and what americans will do and i know this is a generalization but like they will adapt parts of islamic culture mm-hmm. parts of black culture that best suits them mm-hmm. but then claim it as their own and and give no credit to the muslim mm-hmm. people like the travis kelsey listen you heard about that uh, what because he had a fade and like yeah and, and like, they tried oh. to call it the kelsey or whatever who yeah okay i didn't know when, when, when people dis- discovered what a fade was <laughs> they tried to what do you say when you give credit yeah they cried credit him for it listen travis kelsey is uh, a byproduct of having a black girlfriend but he has a white girlfriend. Now he does. Oh, okay. But in the past, he had a black girlfriend. Yeah. So when usually what happens is like if a if <laughs> if a white guy gets mm-hmm. a black girlfriend, she just like spices him up a little bit. And then he gets a fade <laughs> and like his beard's on point. His style is ten out of ten. Yeah. You know, like Lauren and Cameron from Love Is Blind. I don't know. I don't I'll show you after. It. But like she literally made a TikTok saying my husband before he met me yeah and he looked like a just a regular white guy mm-hmm. and then him after he met her and like his whole appearance changed he what? had like a fade you, but <laughs> he had lined up beard yeah you know you know what that is the stereotype of what's happened. but like i feel like 
it works the other way as well. Because I've seen a lot of cases where, like, black women... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to be very controversial. Where, Go like, for it. Where black women will try to, like, make themselves look more Eurocentric to appease, like, a certain man that they're going after. Um, you know? <laughs> you know what, though? What? <laughs> Please tell me I'm right, because I feel like I'm going to get canceled now. No, because <laughs> you've never heard of that trend, like, where they say, like, <laughs> white <laughs> What? white men will go like feral for like a black woman with a bad weave what <laughs> yeah you've never heard of that no no it's a thing it's a they, thing like fetishize black women yeah like her wig her weave or her wig could be so jacked up yeah <laughs> it's like that's not man. that's not a woman i've never heard that one what yeah no it's a thing let's go into more positive black history <laughs> <laughs> actually a thing <laughs> on the note of negative black history actually i don't even want to give her airtime i was gonna talk about tiffany haddish but like oh her. no forget her yeah <laughs> i don't know who that is i'm not gonna give her any any sort of airtime yeah she's a supporter of two genocidal leaders mm-hmm. uh but who else is there okay so let's get back to what's really important here okay so another part of history which i feel like is is mentioned a lot but i just want to like you know kind of speak to some of the facts of what he actually did and like why he's so prolific is uh someone everyone kind of knows called Mansa Musa mm-hmm. and for him he was actually known he was formerly known as Musa Keita hopefully I said that right and Mansa Musa was the 10th emir of the Mali empire so he's basically like the king of the Mali empire mm-hmm. and um he actually reigned for 25 years over the Mali empire for from the early 1300s Prior to his pilgrimage to Mecca, uh, he was not well known outside of his empire. But during his voyage to Mecca, he actually had 8,000 carriers. He had 12,000 slaves, 100 camels each, carrying 300 oh. pounds of gold. He was wealthy, wealthy. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like the reason Africa was so divided by a lot of these colonial states mm. is because of their rich um, minerals right they were very very uh, there's uh, it's it's very mineral rich the whole yeah. or the whole continent of africa right mm-hmm. which is why it's been so taken apart Sought literally s- like taken apart by the colonial states right so back then this is before a lot of those like colonial endeavors started yeah or just before they're about to start mm-hmm. they still had a lot of these um resources so Right now, that probably sounds like a lot, but I probably to them, it was like nothing. Like probably gold was so abundant that it was like mm. whatever. But like outside of Mali, it was probably a very... Scarce? N- yeah. Wow. So but this is probably why it affected, and it'll show you how it affected. So it said that it is narrated that his passage through Egypt collapsed its economy for a period of 12 years. Damn. Because like when you're so rich in minerals like that, but you yeah. go to a place that doesn't really have those resources yeah that's like a trillionaire coming here and like just dropping a trillion dollars <laughs> on everybody every single person like inflation probably went crazy even yeah. then um so on his return the 14th century ruler came back first off also you forget about that that back then like if you wanted to go to mecca mm-hmm. you literally would have to like stop everything like your whole life would have to stop yeah especially like I couldn't imagine it would be like we lived like in the West here it's, and it's had to go to Mecca without all the stuff we have now. They don't have flights. Exactly. They were taking like two week, three week, month long journeys like yeah. by animal or foot or however they were mm-hmm. getting there. They didn't have cars. Yeah. 
And this guy literally, he was the king of Mali, and it's still for him it was like a multi, almost year or month, at least, uh, multiple months at least, journey for him. Oh yeah, it's just the gin, you know. Uh, <laughs> it was the wind, guys. <laughs> I've played, I've played, I've played. Okay, I don't even know if that'll come through on there, but yeah. So on his return, the 14th century ruler came back with architects and Arabian scholars. It was then that he built the. Oh my! I'm gonna butcher this. Jigurebar Mosque. Oh my God! I should have I should have read this up phonetically first. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even gonna attempt to do that. It's but the thing is, is that everyone knows what this mosque is. Everyone has seen this mosque. Is it the one with the little like pointy thing sticking out? Yeah, of it? Yeah, with the sticks coming out of it. Yeah, I've seen that. Exactly. So I'm, I'm gonna put it up behind it or in front of us, whatever. But everyone's seen this mosque. It's that mm-hmm. mosque that's like it, it's it's Molly's like very like that's like one of very its, well uh, known for this mosque. What the Eiffel Tower is to Paris, the mosque yeah. is to Mali. Exactly. So that's he brought all these architects with him mm. and Arabian scholars, and that's when he built that mosque there. Uh, and it's still, after like 500, 500 years, it's still there, still standing, Crazy. taken care of. Uh, and by the end of his reign, the library at Sankor University became the best in Africa, having about 400,000 to 700,000 manuscripts with only the Library of Alexandria ahead of it. So he's also very good at like keeping facts or not facts what do you call them preserving uh, preserving um historical records wow yeah so that was a that was another crazy um not crazy but like another thing i thought was interesting yeah you're essentially just highlighting prominent figures in black islamic history exactly love to see it yeah and because you know a lot of people try to have a very like all lives matter approach to this topic Mm -hmm. but i feel like with everything going on, it's good to have. It's good to point out the representatives of your people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah. Because representation does matter. It does, and I think mm-hmm. that you know one thing that we've like kind of one of the reasons why we started this whole podcast was mm-hmm. because of that. What's the word that we used? Intersectionality. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're black and muslim exactly first generation like there were all these different facets to us that we could connect with and we felt mm-hmm. like you guys can connect with and and even if you're not black or if you're not muslim i feel like there are still similarities that you find within us mm-hmm. um and so i like that we can actually resonate with exactly this right because i and and it's not to discredit other figures in black mm-hmm. history of course not because we grow up learning about a lot of prominent figures especially during black history month mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we learned about all them that aren't Muslim. Yeah. But imagine if like you're a Muslim kid in school and you're learning about a historical figure that is Muslim. I think Malcolm X might have been the only one. But like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's such a nice feeling to know like, wow, like there are Muslim people out here doing big things. Like, yeah, because that is one thing, a question I actually had. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd written down it at one point. It was because a lot of the times when black history is mentioned, black Muslim history is mentioned, mm-hmm. at least in the West, it always somehow goes back to NOI, the so-called Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that maybe plays a part in why there's so much of a stigma or like so much a, yeah, so much of a stigma of talking about black history because of um, what they represented and how they kind of like skewed exactly what Islam represents. Yeah. Because of that and because of how so I think media also represents a lot of Muslims in that light. Mm. Like they rarely represent the the actual 
the true your, your, Islam. Your true Islam mm. of a, or even a true black Muslim. Mm-hmm. Usually whenever they do, like remember that movie, um, what was it called again? The one with um, oh, and Lauren London. About, yeah. Uh, and and that, Jonah, that, Hill. What, Jonah Hill. Um, oh my God. I forget what it was give called. Give me a sec. I'll look it up right now. Yeah. But that movie, her dad in the movie was played by, was Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy. And he was playing a muslim father but then you quickly find out that he was actually just nation nation but then it was weird by the way what it's called you you people people. exactly but the weird thing is that he also like he he was representing nation but then like he he i don't know if he outright said nation but like he was also kind of saying sunni stuff too but it was kind of weird right so when when that's your representation i think it kind of muddies the water on exactly what a black muslim is or like a real representation of black muslims in media yeah like and I also think like mm-hmm. <clears throat> Hollywood is a little bit restricted in terms of like there are a lot of Muslim celebrities out mm-hmm. there, but they just they may confirm it casually like, yes, I'm Muslim, mm-hmm. but they never actually go in depth and they don't really speak about their faith yeah. openly for a number of reasons, you know, whatever their reason may be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a prime example. And I, you know, he's problematic in and of itself, but <laughs> like DJ Khaled. Oh yeah, you know, who like finally he, he got like disowned by his brother recently, or his his I cousin, or something that. like that. Yeah, yeah. Like he's someone who I feel like he. Uh, I don't want to say commercialized Islam, but he mm-hmm. really used it as part of his image. Yeah, when it benefited him, it did. But then when it mattered the most, mm-hmm. you know, when when uh, the tragedies that were starting to take place in October mm-hmm. in Palestine. And he's Palestinian, like he was mm-hmm. nowhere like, to like, be found. P- even put aside the Muslim part, he is Palestinian. I know. I'm Whether sure you're Muslim he probably or has not, family. Like, you connect to it. Yeah, I think his his cousin even mentioned they have family who's being affected by this, mm-hmm. and he's still not saying anything about it. At that point, it's like you're lost. You've lost in you're lost in the sauce, basically. And, but that's I I think I and this is just a theory, mm-hmm. but I really think that he, the reason why he's not is because he's afraid of losing his whether it's brand deals or record deals mm-hmm. or i'm pretty sure he's his own record that's why label, he's lost in the sauce he's lost the the i guess the real um what's really real or like what's really important yeah right so you can't really reason those kind of people you can't really look up to those people anymore which is essentially why his family's like yeah we're not even gonna look to him anymore yeah it's mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that you know you don't feel proud enough or comfortable enough to speak mm-hmm. on such a big part of who you are as a person, whether it's your ethnicity, your culture, or your religion. But mm-hmm. you know, that's why Hollywood is actually Holly weird. But yeah, but do you think that because of those mis- misrepresentations of Black Muslims, and because of what I mentioned with NOI and stuff, like mm-hmm. is that why there's Black Muslims a lot of times feel like ostracized by uh, other Muslim communities? No, I think that, you know, for black Muslims, mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about the, the Muslim community as a whole, when other Muslims who aren't black look at black Muslims, mm-hmm. they don't see the fact that they're Muslim first. Mm. They see the fact that they're black first. Yeah. And unfortunately, due to, you know, the way that the media and the news portrays black people, mm-hmm. it paints them in such a negative light mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of muslims um that aren't black yeah have that perception in their mind too 
Yeah. They have that negative perception. True. And it's only if you, it's sort of like, it's only if you come across um, black Muslims and you know what they're actually like. So you're like, oh no, you know what they put mm-hmm. on the media is not actually true. They're they're really nice people. Yeah, because like at the end of the day, everybody's still, they're, we're all still people. And like, we can still fall to propaganda and like misrep- and misrepresentation just like anybody else. Yeah, no, I feel 100%. like that's, even if, even the Muslim community is not, um, what's that word again? When you, when you, when you can still fall into something like you're, you're, not, you're, you're not immune to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately for a lot of black Muslims, whether it's the Muslim community or non-Muslims, the first thing they're always going to see is the fact that you're black. Mm-hmm. Unless of course you're a woman and you wear hijab, then they're going to see the fact that you're Muslim. Yeah. Just, and I feel like, I feel like because of that, like that's why you might see a lot of black Muslims would actually choose to maybe hang out with more of their like non-muslim friends who all who, who are black like they'll be more likely like if they had a choice between um hanging out with like a muslim community where maybe they're like the minority in there or hang out where in a group of like black friends who are maybe not muslim but at least they feel like they have a little bit more of a connection with them because they don't feel like they'll be judged as much because I do see that. I've, I've seen a few representations of that where like people will kind of lean towards that because they feel ostracized by that community. But I feel like if done right, mm-hmm. the connection through like the Muslim brotherhood or the Muslim mm-hmm. sisterhood is stronger than the connection of you being the same race. That's an ideal situation. Like maybe we've seen that more, but I have seen other situations where people will, maybe because of also where they grew up. It's sometimes in certain Muslim communities, certain some people are more affluent or at least they might be hanging out with more of their own people. So like, let's say you're a black Muslim in a predominantly like South Asian community. Mm-hmm. And because of the prejudices that come with certain South Asian communities and they, uh, they have more of cultural ties between each other. And a lot of them are maybe more related to each other. Mm. You may not feel like that much of a connection, but they're just the only Muslims that surround you. But then you have the, neighborhood you grew up in where you're predominantly black maybe you're not a minority in the fact that you're muslim but everybody else is at least black and you kind of connect with them a little bit more culturally than you do the religion you know what i'm saying like this is the reality of the situation this is what i'm seeing no and you're not wrong because yeah. i was actually i was listening to um this one lecture online mm-hmm. um I, I'm, and there's I'm, something else i want to say about that but go ahead okay you can say first and then i'll say no i was going to say also the fact that in certain communities like whether it be south asian communities or even some other communities they might look to the black people and be like because of and this is mostly in stricter like in, a, in more of like a western society they might look to them and be like oh you're they like they because a lot of them they like black culture to begin with you know just i'm just speaking the facts here okay <laughs> and usually whenever they have that one black friend or someone in minority they might gravitate towards them not because they truly want to build like a good relationship with the person. maybe that's part of it but sometimes because they feel like you know they're cooler if they might have mm. that black friend, you know what I'm saying? Mm. I and get what you mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm going to have these, you know, awkward conversations, but I feel like they need to happen. It's <laughs> more so for the, not the clout. The status of, yeah, the, the clout. Yeah, clout. Mm-hmm. Like, just for the sake of saying like, oh, well, I have a black friend. So yeah. like certain things that I, the way that I talk, the way that yeah. I act can slide. This is a big thing. I'm going to call it, this is a big thing <laughs> in the South Asian community. Very big thing. Not just South Asian. Not just South Asian, but just from what I've seen. I think in the Arab going community up, too. But like from what I've seen myself, in the Arab community it does happen as well. But mm-hmm. from what I see myself, is a big thing in the South Asian community. I see it in the Arab community. Like they'll be the first ones to once they have a black man, you know, they, throw, they start throwing out a certain word. 
but that's the Arab community too, and not the Arabs that yeah. are from Africa. Mm-hmm. The white, <laughs> <laughs> the lighter skinned ones. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Y'all getting a little too comfortable saying certain words, mm-hmm. and you know, at the end of the day, racism knows no religion. Mm-hmm. If you know what I'm trying to say, yeah. And this is not to say like. You know, in Islam, racism is absolutely not encouraged. You mm-hmm. know, everyone is supposed to be on yeah. the same like evil, e- evil, even uh, level. Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Level, leveled playing field. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, but no, the point that I wanted to make actually was so crazy. I was watching this maybe like three or four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was this lecture from um, Imam Amin from uh, Masjid Muhammad Atlantic City mm-hmm. from Jersey. Yeah, and so their masjid is like. I think predominantly African American. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that every year, like right before Ramadan or during Ramadan, mm-hmm. there's always like a new community that like tries to come and like infiltrate the masjid. What? <laughs> like okay. they already have an established program and everything, yeah. but he's like, so, you know, there was like the Bengali community, like, mm-hmm. you know, South, Southeast Asian group, mm-hmm. like, like uh, maybe like 20 of them would come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're trying to like uh, raise donations and stuff for the masjid and, mm-hmm do all that so he's like they'll donate like a large lump sum mm-hmm. and the imam he's like i already know this behavior because i've seen it before where mm-hmm. like a group of people will come they'll put this large donation and they will kind of like expect to have like their portion of the masjid like oh well we just donated yeah, tens like, of thousands so mm-hmm. like give us a night where we can do our own thing here mm-hmm. and he was like no 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 that's that not how it works yeah this you should be giving this out of the yeah, goodness of like, your heart this <laughs> is an established institution if you want to donate mm-hmm. donate but don't donate under the pretense that like you think you're gonna you own a piece of this now yeah. you know what i mean like like you said do it lillahi ta'ala and mm-hmm. just keep it pushing but i thought that was funny because they didn't want to integrate with the community rather they just wanted to like infiltrate yeah. the community I, I feel like even our communities are not what do you call it? Immune to that. Again, another thing that happens, right? Like we're, we're in a very predominantly Harari community, right? So like, I feel yeah. like as, because of that, people feel like they should have more say in like how certain things are practiced when without maybe giving more leeway to something that might be more universal or like something that more everybody might be more comfortable doing or being a part of. I think, you know, if you're in a very diverse city, mm-hmm. Where, you know, you can expect your masjid to have many different people from different cultures and stuff. You know, I, even if your masjid is predominantly one ethnicity, mm-hmm. I think it's better to be inclusive of all. Mm-hmm. You know, because then the more people you want to, like, you want people to come to the masjid and you want everyone to benefit collectively. Exactly. And the last thing you want to do is push people away because they don't feel welcome yeah they're like oh this place is way too clicky I don't yeah know. yeah that's that's a big thing in a muslim community too i know and that's probably a part of why um like going back to what i mentioned earlier with black muslims who in certain communities maybe the minority feel like they don't belong there is because of the clicky nature of certain muslim communities because it's it's natural for like if you're from let's use another thing if you're from um china Right, you're a Chinese Muslim. You came to the uh, to the to the country. Like you're more likely to go to a predominantly Chinese Muslim mosque or yeah. or community center or Muslim community center. Yeah. To be a part of than one that's maybe a little bit more diverse and like you don't have a lot of people that you can relate to. I think if it was like diverse, where it's like a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. I think that could work. But if it's if you're Chinese. 
I'm talking about someone who's new to the country. Yeah, if you're new to mm. the country and you don't know anyone, you're yeah. you're gonna look for familiarity. That's just human nature. Mm-hmm. But maybe once you're comfortable, you'll be more willing to branch out. Like we've been born, we were born and raised here. Mm-hmm. I think we would feel more comfortable, mo- like moss copping, if we really wanted to. Yeah, you know what I mean, um, and just to see like the vibe of different masjids around the city. Exactly. We should do that. <laughs> huh? Yeah, check it out. We it's like a couple down the street or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was a question. I forget what the original question was there. Oh, they have people who feel like they might be geared go at least black Muslims specifically might choose to hang out with more black people who may not be Muslim than a community who is a Muslim is Muslim, but you don't have much to relate to outside of the fact that you're Muslim. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. So we're both like, I feel like people will will just because you're human, like you're more likely to do that because a lot of times you just want to feel accepted and and I I can see that I, mm-hmm. I I know what you're trying to say. And I'm I, not saying I'm not saying it's a a good thing. Yeah. Necessarily, like if, especially if you're strong in your faith, you might you you'll more likely be fine. Mm-hmm. If even if you're surrounded by non-Muslims, even though it's better to be surrounded by people of the same faith as you, but like if you're someone who's maybe still learning and still going as Muslim, it can be a very negative factor. Like. Even if you're not a new Muslim, like why? I'm thinking oh, about it from my influence. yeah yeah. I'm thinking about it from like my own point of view. If I went to the mustard, then people were looking at me like, oh my god, like mm-hmm. what are you doing here? I'd be like, not even necessarily that, but just not feeling accepted. Yeah, like if I walk in and like not a single person smiles at me or exactly. says salam, I would be like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'll ever come back here. Exactly. So, and I feel like that does happen a lot, especially yeah. if you're a minority. Where a lot, because remember, you have to remember that a lot of Muslims in the West specifically are still first generation for the most part. Mm-hmm. We're just getting to where we're like second generation. Yeah. So a lot of them do have a lot of these like preconceived notions of certain communities. Right. And and anything that's foreign to them, they may not even they may not even feel negative towards it but they're just like less likely to gravitate towards it yeah because different they feel like okay this is just working for me now i don't want to do anything that's even though i might have to get out of my like i, I don't want to do anything that's going to require me to get out of my comfort zone yeah that's most people exactly we're human yeah. just, like i said at the end of the day sure a lot of these practices are like it's better to do things that would be um that would make everyone feel accepted yeah. but, at the, end, but at, the end, at the end of the day you just want to follow the path of least resistance Mm-hmm. and that path of least resistance might push out certain people that you don't want to push out. It's so, unfortunate, but it's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, it, it does relate to a lot of black Muslims feeling ostracized. At least I, that's what I feel. I think, yes, black mm-hmm. Muslims, but also new converts, new Muslims. Yes, new Muslims as well. Um, Definitely go through that. And I think we've mm-hmm. seen that is more, I wouldn't say prominent, but we see it more because so many people have embraced Islam in the last like four months mm-hmm. um, and, and have been putting their uh, experience online. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to see it all. But for those of you that are listening, you know, mm-hmm. with Ramadan coming up, make sure that if you are a regular at the masjid or even if you're new, Mm-hmm. there's always going to be somebody else that it's their first time going or, you know, they may not frequent the masjid outside of Ramadan. So always just make sure that you approach people with kindness. Mm-hmm. A smile, even a smile is an act of charity exactly. and is very rewardable. And during the month where your rewards are multiplied, make sure you are taking full advantage of that. 
Inshallah. But another thing I want to talk about that may like um, feed the fire of like this like resentment or like this feeling of ostracized. Ostracized. I'm not going to do this again. This feeling of being left out in the Muslim community is recently with what's been happening in Palestine. It was kind of like bubbling up at the beginning of mm. the conflict, or not around the middle of the conflict, or not the conflict, but like um, after October seventh, what happened on then? Like you know, initially everybody's eyes were on that, right? But then there was this narrative coming out that I don't know who was pushing this narrative, but. I feel like there are certain people who were kind of clamping onto this narrative of that, like, why is it that when a certain Muslim community is being affected, all eyes are on them, but then when you have another Muslim community, like what's happening in Sudan is being affected, why is that not given as much as attention, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a big, that was a big point of contention that came up at one point. Yep. But then people <clears throat> tend to be like, okay, we'll we'll focus on that at some point. <laughs> we have bigger fish to fry here mm-hmm. right now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm my my TikTok might just be geared towards like what I'm seeing and stuff, right? But I did see people speaking about that. I mean, like, is it what is what's the difference here between yeah. them? Like, they're 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 implying something where they're saying, what's the difference here between the people who are being affected here and this? And of course, you can make pretty good arguments for why there is a difference on the two cases. But that was a point of contention for a lot of African and black African Muslims specifically, or black Mus- black African Muslims specifically. Ooh, that's a topic. That's a whole episode in and of itself. All right, guys, yeah. get comfortable. It's already been an hour <laughs> into this episode. We're going to get into it mm-hmm. now. But do you, the only question I really have is, do you think that plays a factor in it? The fact that they're maybe of a darker skin tone. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's two sides to that. Yeah. Because one, as we know, in Palestine, there are holy sites there. Mm-hmm i.e. Masjid al-Aqsa. Yeah. As we know in the past during Ramadan when, you know, the enemies uh, are just trying their luck and they're really testing everybody by bombing innocent Muslims that are just mm-hmm. praying in the in the masjid. Yeah. Um, and so I think that mm-hmm. causes like a global uproar from all Muslims because yeah. the, there's no differentiation. However, the the genocide of palestinians in general mm-hmm. that this genocide is the most amount of attention i've i think i've seen towards a exactly. muslim it's not even a muslim struggle right now but like it's a it's palestinian struggle palestinian yeah. struggle and i think when we're thinking about you know problems in sudan mm-hmm. um, congo congo somalia mm-hmm. egypt yemen Etc. Like and yeah. and and because there's so, the the Uyghur Muslims. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I hate to say it, but I'm just gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's because of the color of their skin. However, we have now seen like how long has it taken? And a lot of the the um, Muslim like Saudi, mm-hmm. Dubai, um, so, so a lot of the Gulf. Yeah. richer richer muslim nations mm-hmm. are still kind of like turning a blind eye to this yeah but if we're looking at the overall like just muslims in general around the world giving mm-hmm. this attention yeah i would say unfortunately mm-hmm. if you're if if it's like an african muslim country or mm-hmm. just an african city or whatever african muslims that are struggling yeah they're not usually they just don't get enough they don't get as much attention mm-hmm 
it's not something that's like globally reposted it's not true and and some can argue and say well you know the genocide in in palestine is like such a large scale but like it's because it's being publicized Mm -hmm. we don't know the the full context of what's been happening in the congo Mm -hmm. what's been happening in sudan what's been happening in you know the drought that was happening in somalia eritrea there was a civil war ethiopia how many times you know muslims like i mentioned earlier with uh, you know that lady who went to uh to Mm -hmm. is not real i mean um she actually went out and like was kind of supporting the eritrean government which is known for being pretty which is essentially a dictatorship at this point yeah Uh, i think there's a lot of videos of like youtubers going to eritrea and being like this country is stuck in the 70s it's like stuck. yeah it's, it's 30 really, years it's yeah. really really back like it's like weird though that stunted their growth for sure 100 mm-hmm. percent, it is and i don't know like i i don't it's hard to say because mm-hmm. i'm not i don't want anyone to misunderstand our point on this in no way are we ever going to discredit the severity of the genocide that's been taking place mm-hmm. in um palestine but we're also not discrediting what's been happening around the rest of the world mm-hmm. to other muslims from other countries you know what i mean like every struggle is a struggle and you know maybe i i should go back and listen to our own episode the tragedy olympics Mm -hmm. because i feel like that's such a perfect title yeah to summarize what this is you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i think it's also like the case that you can make for why it's getting a lot more attention is first off you already mentioned it because of al-aqsa it has a very that area that piece of land in itself has a very historical like islamic significance to us but it also is historical to christians mm-hmm. to jewish people like that yeah jerusalem in and of itself mm-hmm. i feel like is uh significant to everyone has an interest in that area yes specifically. that's what it is yeah and also you could also make the case that like this palestinian struggle has started in 1948 it started 70 plus years ago so technically it's always been going on mm. this whole time even though you could sort of make the same case for like the congo and a lot of the african nations as well who've been colonized for even longer in most cases um so like there there are definitely some good cases you can make for why it's more popular but everything does play a factor in why something gets more attention than another so you can't say f- for the people who are saying that, who are saying that you're not paying attention to skin, because they're not the same skin tone as you, you can't say they're wrong completely. Yeah, two it things, may play the two, smallest part, but... Two things can be true. Exactly. It could be because, yes, people are racist and they're, they don't give a shit about black people. Yeah. As, as uh, Kanye West once said mm-hmm. about George Bush. But it could also be that the genocide, in, <clears throat> the genocide of Palestinians has been taking place for so long mm-hmm. that they're finally getting mass global attention yeah and the momentum is there exactly mm-hmm. so two things can be true we're not saying one it's one or the other yeah it's probably a combination of many different things but that's mm-hmm. also i do believe that that plays a small part of it yeah and y'all let us know in the comments too yeah what you, think you can about agree that, okay? disagree mm-hmm. but if you're going to disagree come with points because we want to read them like I, mm-hmm. I and it's not an argument or a fight like we're genuinely just trying to have a discussion i think this is an interesting conversation exactly so I knew that was going to be a controversial one. I just wanted to bring it up because I, I, I see it on when I see something online. I feel like it'd be an interesting conversation. I might as well have it out here, right? Mm-hmm. Before we finish off the episode, Sarah, you said you had one more thing you wanted to talk about. It was in regards to the Palestinian people. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. I saw this news report um, and I think someone DM'd it to us too. But 
apparently, if you're in Canada, apparently, apparently kid, apparently kid. It was great. And apparently, I've never been on live television before. Apparently, okay, okay, sorry. Go ahead. If you're in Canada and you're trying to renew your passport, Palestine was removed as a country for place of birth. Yeah. And so for the people that were born in Palestine and they're renewing their passport, mm-hmm. what are they supposed to put now? That's on say, the electronic it says like no, form. It says like no country of birth or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? I'm really like, you know, side eyeing Trudeau because didn't mm-hmm. he just recently call for a ceasefire? Or sign yeah, like thing? a few countries did. I forget exactly I which Prince ones. William also did too. And I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Why he, always, he always been the black sheep of the family. But, you know, shout Prince out to him. Prince William? Oh, was it Prince? Which one's the one that like was ostracized or like Harry. kicked out by his family? Harry. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, I'm just, <clears throat> I'm curious to know why all of a sudden all of these countries who are so, they couldn't, mm-hmm. Trudeau couldn't even say ceasefire. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden. Remember that video that came out of him? He was like <laughs> stuttering. He was, he was yeah. he, like, you could sell, you could tell his heart wanted to say ceasefire. I know. But his brain would not let him. Yep. Oh, that was, like, that was he the was funniest literally, thing ever. You could literally see the internal conflict. I'm just curious to know, like, and I'm not, I, I know some people are like, a win is a win. Just accept Mm -hmm. it. Like, you know, finally we're getting calls for ceasefire, but like, why now all of a sudden, like, is there some sort of gain that they get from it? Or are they just so far beyond the point of, uh, denying it that they can't, they have no choice but to be like, yeah, I'm maybe they realize like stuff. it's probably a money thing. Like maybe it was making their pockets hurt. Like it was affecting them some way politically mm. and they didn't want to be on, maybe they realize, okay, looking at how this is going right now, we're going to be definitely going to be on the wrong side of history. Yeah. We might as well try and make it right now. than um, be like caught with our pants down later. Is it too little too late? Oh, yeah. For us, it's definitely too little too late. Yeah. But on the global stage where a lot of people don't really care about what's going on in Palestine, there is probably going to be good enough for them. Be like, oh, yeah, we were on the right side of history the whole time. Nah. That, but that's that's what you get when you like live in a colonial world, right? Yeah. Where the Western powers currently control the narrative on pretty much everything coming out, right? So, you know, sure, it's good that we're getting them to call for a ceasefire uh i haven't seen much of a let up on that like there are still yeah. people in gaza who are being starved in the north mm-hmm. and being bombed in the south yeah so you know thank i'm like i always feel a little bit of hope whenever i see videos of them going to the beach and like taking yeah. in whatever little piece of freedom or real piece of relief they can get yeah but it's always like a double-edged sword right because you're seeing that and then you see what they have to go back to exactly uh but and then, of course, now there's a lot of people being like, why don't they go to Egypt? It's like, if you lived in Canada <laughs> and like, someone was attacking, yeah, it's like, what? No. How does that make any sense? Yeah, I don't know, man. But and especially when it's the, your, you, you've had like generations of people in your family who have been killed for fighting for this land. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of inner turmoil someone might go through, might go through escaping or leaving all of that behind yeah i don't think for them it's worth it or they, they don't think it would be worth it would probably be worse to them than just suffering through this yeah and like knowing that ramadan is upon us in like just a couple of weeks two mm-hmm. weeks maybe a week after this episode is put up i just i'm like i'm, I'm getting anxious and i'm worried about what is yeah. yet to come because 
I feel like the attacks always ramp up during Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so getting cruel. really bad. Like in the West Bank now, it's it's already been really bad since October seventh. I believe like more than three hundred and sixty people have been killed in the West Bank. So um, and I feel like that's they're they're setting their sights, especially because right now, essentially, what they're letting occur a lot of the uh, the IDF or IOF, whatever they call themselves, they're letting the settlers pretty much go ham, do whatever yeah. they want. Yeah, they're like giving them guns, they're giving them bass, and just letting them like play call of duty in the streets against innocent people who have rocks literally nothing else but rocks even if that yeah so it's definitely getting a lot worse there so i couldn't imagine and everyone i think every muslim right now is holding their breath for what's going to be happening i know in the al-aqsa area because also there's another video i saw where because they know that there would be a lot of backlash for tearing down the actual mosque itself uh, for many years now, they've been actually digging under the mosque, and they and they said that it's for like architect, not architectural, for like uh, historical uh, artifact searching and all that kind of stuff. They're digging under it, which is then messing with the foundation of the actual mosque, mm. and essentially will lead to its collapse, right? And they're co- and they're constantly digging under. It. You can see it. There's a huge hole under it, mm-hmm. and a lot of the Palestinian people are like fighting for permits so that they can go and like at least restore, uh, it, or restore it or like build some type of structure inside it to hold it up. Yeah. But it's being denied. And it's clear what they're trying to do here, right? They're trying to dig under it, say, oh, we're doing it for histor- historical research. But then when something happens, everything collapses. Like, oh, we didn't know this was going to happen. Mm. You know, that you can already see the setup of whatever they're doing. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. Um, but I, at the end of the day, you still have to rely on Allah. Like, no, I know. Mm-hmm. I, just, you know, continue to keep them in your dua. And mm-hmm. not just the Palestinians, really just like the Muslims in general. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm sure you guys know this, but when you're making dua for, when you're making dua for someone else, the angels make the same dua for you. Mm-hmm. So, life hack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I feel like <clears throat> we all haven't been okay like yes we have moments of happiness Mm because we're not like we're in a place of privilege where we we aren't in a Mm war-torn country so we're able to live our day-to-day lives and like kind of turn it off if we really can't do it anymore Mm -hmm. but i feel like for a lot of muslims a lot of palestinians in general just just human beings whoever whoever can resonate with what's going on or just has been keeping up like we haven't actually been okay in a very mm-hmm. long time. The last like 100 plus days, I don't think any of us have ever experienced a war or a genocide to the extent that we have for this. Mm-hmm. So it's or definitely seen it. Seen it sorry, mm-hmm. not witnessed, uh, yeah, not, not been part of it. Yeah. Experience, sorry. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's just been so like we used to see like little tidbits of things on the Mm -hmm. news, like way back when we were always too young to understand. But now like you're seeing things without a filter live, live as as it's happening. Like TikTok and social media in central in in, in general changed the game in that. Yeah. And I just feel like it has just changed Mm -hmm. my entire perception on like just life. and And actually speaking on that, on like seeing this, when I was in America, when I was in New York, I forgot how much Canada is suppressing news sources. 
Mm. Uh, including a lot of the Palestinian news sources like the Eye on Palestine. Mm -hmm. I forgot that a lot of that was being suppressed. So when I went there and like I loaded up, you know, the social media, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, I was seeing like, like things are a lot worse than I was what I was seeing in Canada. Mm. And I realized it's because the places that the, uh, the pages I was following in Canada, which were being blocked, I can now see again, including Eye on Palestine. Oh. Yeah. So like a lot of the on the ground like like you mentioned the live stuff that you're seeing the 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 horrific stuff going on you could see that now yeah or again in there so um yeah canada is an interesting case where like we don't realize it because we got used to it now but a lot of the stuff is also being censored so we're not even seeing the worst of it Mm -hmm. and we're still being impacted the way that we are but you know i don't want to like end off the podcast on a somber note but but you are so we're gonna end it (laughs) okay guys but uh thank you guys so much for watching yeah we had some pretty we had some pretty controversial topics there uh hopefully we covered them as nuanced as we could we we were we're being as 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 um balanced as we could with these conversations but Mm -hmm. if you feel like you have like uh, some input or you know want to you want to come in on this conversation and give your input on it go ahead in the comments there let us know We'll be replying. We you know we interacting with y'all. Um, inshallah, when this is posted, and um, again, thank you for waiting another week. I know we kind of like missed it out there, but we're gonna try and keep it more consistent again. Don't forget to subscribe. Oh so yeah, that you I can forgot about that whole part. Yeah. Get our notifications and let and know when we're posting. Yeah. Um, but to also make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. We're actually almost at ten thousand followers on TikTok. Okay. We are making our way to 10,000 on Instagram. We're almost there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, y'all, the subscribers on, on YouTube are also growing. So the family is, I see y'all. I mm-hmm. see all y'all. You're, you're coming in here. A lot of new cousin yeah cousins coming in. And they're like binge watching old episodes. And they're just like, wow, like seeing the growth. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Okay. okay, bye. Oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> you really did just start today. My bad. Are you new here? Okay, okay. <gasps> bye. bye. <laughs>